You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 105 called EdTech Olympics, 15 tools compete for the podium. In this episode, in honor of the 2022 Winter Olympics, Geis and I will discuss 15 EdTech tools in five Olympic-themed categories as they compete for gold. We'll also discuss one of our recent blog posts on gottech.com. This is another episode you don't want to miss. Check it out. Yeah, I'm really excited for this episode. I will tell you this. My sons never saw, well, I believe my oldest did, but they've never seen an Olympics ran live. You know, they've, they've seen maybe clips on YouTube or or maybe a fail moment here and there, which if you make it to that stage, I don't think that there's a fail anywhere. But my oldest son is super into it. Every morning he wakes up, he runs down the steps, and he puts on the Olympic replays from the day before he's just there he's, he's <laughs> hanging out he's not supposed to be on the tv because we try to keep him to a certain amount of time per day but there's he knows that there's no way for us to track it so <laughs> this episode is kind of inspired by the fact that you know my six-year-old is so into it why not kind of make something in honor of it what do you what do you think yeah, I'm right there with him, man. I love the Olympics. I love the Summer Olympics. I love the Winter Olympics even more. I'm a skier myself, so I always get kind of into it because I can actually, I mean, I'm nowhere near as talented, obviously, as any of those athletes competing, but I can sort of imagine what it takes to do what they're doing more than I can in a lot of the Summer Olympic sports. I just love it. I'll, I would have it on in the background on my television all day. So I'm, I'm right there with him. I'm, I'm equally as excited, and uh, also I'm pretty pumped for this episode because I think it's a creative spin on the on the uh, sort of what we do in honor of this really exciting time. So before we get into the goods of the episode, what is your favorite Olympic event? I like well, if we're going Winter Olympics, I'm going to have to give you two answers. Uh, the real answer is the downhill slalom event. I like watching the skiers try and go like top speed around those super sharp curves, downhill skiing. I just think it's super fun. And that's kind of like I said, I, I like to imagine myself doing it and just thinking how exciting and thrilling it would be. I also can't help but enjoy curling. It looks just like a good time. I want to be there and hang out and, and do that myself just for the sheer. It, I mean, it looks almost relaxing. Yeah, for me, I really, really, really love curling because it's probably the most, I don't know, chill sport that I've ever seen out there. And I can picture if, if it stayed cold enough out here making a curling pit in my backyard and actually doing this while drinking some hot cocoa. Right. <laughs> but me personally, I am not a winter guy. I don't like the cold. I've never been skiing. I've never been snowboarding. I've never been ice skating. And when you put all that together, that kind of takes a lot, a big chunk of the, the Winter Olympics. But if I had to pick two, my number one is curling. My number two, I'm going to have to probably go with uh, bobsledding. You go at 65 miles an hour down a chute. And especially with team bobsledding, if you have to really trust the steerer on that, 
I'm just like, how much do I really trust this guy? I don't know. If you and I were going down a bobsled, a two-man bobsled, would you trust me? Because I nope. sure as heck wouldn't trust you. Nope. <laughs> 65 miles an hour, it kind of hurts a little bit. Yeah, easy choice. I'm not going to do it. And no offense to you, I wouldn't do it with anybody. It just it looks <laughs> it looks terrifying. But you know, they're they're all it's all amazing. It's all incredible. It's super fun. Kind of brings the world together. That's the sappy side of it. It's just a, it's a good time. And we're going to sort of tie that in with today's episode. We've also got, we wanted to share a recent blog post that I think came out pretty nice. You put this one together, my friend, and you did a great job. As always, do you want to tell people about it? Sure. Uh, so we've been getting a lot of questions about podcasting, some tools that we could use in and outside of the classroom. So if we're in person, uh, some tools that we could use and some tools that we could use remotely. So I uh, put together five different options for you, depending on the device that you're using and also the, the functionality that you're looking for. I'll just introduce a couple of them. Uh, we have two that are pretty much web-based, uh, vocaroo.com and sodafotic.com. We've mentioned these on the podcast uh, at various times. There are two others that I kind of brought in. Twisted Wave is an old favorite but they're still there because they do something extremely well. It allows you to record and edit there and download into a WAV file all for free. But I believe Twisted Wave now has a five minute limit before you have to pay. Uh, there's another one called Wavasaur, and this is kind of more simplistic version of Twisted Wave. I believe that has a freemium as well. And then our all time favorite, the first four can be used on Chromebooks and iPads and whatever you're working with. They're pretty flexible. This one is for PCs, iPads, and Macs. So it's called Audacity. And Audacity is what we use to run our podcasting course here. So I want to give plenty of options. Really, they'll all get the work or the job done uh, in various formats. Uh, I just like Audacity because of the simplicity of it and how quick we can edit a 45-minute podcast on Audacity is a lot quicker, and it gives us the ability to save where Vokuru, Sotophonic, Twisted Wave, Wavasaur, they're a little bit more on the simplistic side where you, for the most part, you have to have all your editing done in one shot, where if you have a longer file, you don't want to necessarily do that. Go check them out. I list some of the, uh, the specifics behind them. I give you a nice little detailed overview of each tool, but there are definitely some options there that makes podcasting in your class a realistic endeavor that makes it easy. So check them out. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. And with that, I think we can probably hop into segment two, the the Olympics-themed portion of the episode. We put together, I mean, there's five categories here that are not necessarily EdTech-themed, and which was the point. Perhaps, if you don't care, maybe I'll run through all five categories first so people know what to expect, and then we'll tackle them one at a time. The first one we're calling uh, Cool Runnings. These are tools that you wouldn't expect to be there. Here's another sidebar. I just love that movie, man. Cool Runnings, so great. If you're listening right now and you have not seen Cool Runnings, it's got to be from the early 90s or late 80s. I'm not sure, but man, what a movie. I, used, I, I will watch that. Anytime it's on TV, 
in entirety. John Candy was amazing. Uh, obviously, his life was shorter than what I wish it was because he made some awesome t- uh, flicks back then. Uncle Buck was one. I think he was in one of the Home Alones yeah. as well, but he did a lot of good stuff there. Cool Running's amazing. Do you remember the uh, little chant that they said before? Uh, yeah. Come on, everybody. Can't believe Jamaica has a bobsled team. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was their little song. But uh, what as, are you they, talking about? as they were getting ready to push off, one for the rhythm, one uh, for the rhyme, one to get ready. It's bobsled time. You know? There you go. Uh, See, that is bu- a terrible accent, <laughs> but I'll own it. I love it. Yeah, don't judge us by our Jamaican accents, obviously. We're just fans of the movie. It's awesome. And we brought some tools together, uh, much like the Jamaican bobsled team, that you would not expect to be there. We've got the second category that we called the quadruple axle category. These are mega tools that change the game, as uh, any ice skater who can come in and pull off a quadruple axle is changing the game. I don't know a whole lot about ice skating, but... Apparently, that's a tough one to do. We've got the Sean White category, and these are tools that have been around a while but still work great. He actually, we're recording this in the morning, the day after of his final run forever. He did his last half-pipe run last, last night on TV. So in honor of, of that, these are tools that have been around a while but still work great. We've got Gold Medal Emotions, uh, which are podcasts that get us all fired up, not necessarily emotional, but uh, excited about things that are happening in EdTech. And lastly, we've got the dedication category uh, in honor of the dedication that it takes to be an Olympic athlete. These are some websites that are super dedicated to providing great resources. So we're going to feature three EdTech tools in each one, and we'll get started, I suppose, with the Cool Runnings category. So remember, these are tools that you would not necessarily expect to be there. The first one I'll talk about is called annotate.net. This is a digital whiteboard tool, and it's not the one that we typically talk about, uh, which is why you might not expect it to be here. You know, we're big fans of whiteboard.io or FI. Are those FI? Yeah, FI, which are really, really great tools for a digital whiteboard and writing things digitally and sharing those with your students Well, annotate.net is another one of those, and it looks really awesome. If you've got a tablet, you can write with a stylus or your finger on that tablet and share that out with your students. If they're remote, a lot of their stuff is geared towards remote learning. They can all be watching what you're writing. You can be projecting it on a screen for the in-person students while the students at home are looking at it. You can push out assignments to them and see what they are writing down. They can also participate and respond on any kind of personal device that they've got. And I think the one thing that it offers that goes a little bit above and beyond is like response analysis assessment type stuff where you can get data from what your students are doing and and keep track of that, which is which is huge. So this one looks awesome. Annotate.net is uh, the first selection in our cool runnings category. Yeah, I really like that one. I love the updates that they made to that site. I was not an original user, but after looking at this, you can see where they put new next to the feature. So they're updating that constantly. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I just think that they are definitely making a name for themselves. And that is why they're in that category. I'm going to go into the next one. This tool is amazing. And I have no clue where I got it from. I wrote it down on a post-it note and I stuck it in my car. So I'm guessing I heard it on another podcast. So I'm not trying to steal credit here. I wish I could give credit, but I have no clue 
which one of the 50,000 podcasts that I listened to, I got it off of. But I went back and I looked at it and this might be my favorite tool that I've shared in a long time, uh, especially because of the culture behind it. So radio, it's with five O's at the end. So it's R-A-D-I-5-O's.com. It'd be in the show notes. But it gives you a map of the world and it divides, it has all the nations uh, mapped out. And what it does is it provides you with music, what it sounded like from 1900 to present day. So if I go to Kenya and I click on 19, or click on Kenya and then click on 1900, it will play Kenyan music from the 1900s. If I go to 1950, it will play Kenyan music from there. I could go to Zimbabwe, I could go to Australia, I could go, you know, anywhere. All right. So it's very, very cool in that, in that light. And it allows you to hear the similarities and differences between music types of any country all over the world radio.com yeah. yeah it's this is so cool and it's a fun one just to just to check out and, and mess around with yourself uh, because of how interesting it is and you know the ability to not only jump backwards in time and listen to some of the music from that time but per country and you can you can click on some pretty obscure small countries that you might not otherwise think of checking out and I can see a lot of different applications for this, you know, maybe the obvious one in like a social studies classroom to sort of have the students do some investigating there and, and apply the types of music they're hearing at certain time periods to what they're learning in class. Yeah, that would be really awesome. And you guys want to check out radio.com. The next one I've got is called Stormboard. Stormboard is in this category because... The more popular version of this called Jamboard is what you would expect to be there. You would not expect Stormboard, but it, it's similar to that. Uh, if you don't know Jamboard or Stormboard, it's sort of like a, again, a digital whiteboard space, but that everybody can collaborate on at one time. And like many things, this is sort of designed for business meetings where your whole team can be collaborating in the same space and everybody's got their own slide, but you can edit other people's slides and keep track of, you know, note taking and import pictures and brainstorm. Uh, Stormboard goes a little bit above and beyond. It is free. First of all, you can get started for free to check it out. Um, it's got things you can add to each of these boards like sticky notes and images and just quickly typing in text. It's super, super secure, which is great for school systems. And one of the things that caught my eye with this is when you're done creating and brainstorming and everybody's got their notes taken on a board or sticky notes, it's really easy to then take that information and export it to things like a Google Slides presentation. So if you are you know, doing your planning in the in one of these storm boards, you can then export that information to Google Slides to start building, a, you know, a presentation for whatever project you were just working on, which I'm not sure if that's impossible using Jamboard, but I'm not, I also don't think it's built in as a feature. Uh, at least I don't know about it. If it is in Stormboard, it looks like it's sort of built around doing that. So I really like this one. I have not officially used it, I'll be honest, but I know I'm going to try it out with the next time, you know, next time I come across one of my Jamboard activities, I'm going to try and sub in Stormboard to see how it works. But that looks like a really nice one. And the uh, the link for that, along with all of these, you can, of course, find in the show notes for this episode. Yeah, Stormboard looks like it's just a, a layer more than Jamboard. It, right. it has a little bit more functionality. So 
definitely check out that one. That's going to bring us to our next category, unless we want to give a gold, silver. Uh, I, I, let's do it. Why not? Yeah. I think out of this one, I'm giving the gold to radio just because I'm, I love music and being able to hear the different types and sounds of music, that just makes me happy. Yeah. So that's the one I'm going to go with. I think we could just pick one that's the gold out of each category. Yep, and I'll, I'm going to agree with you. That would have been my pick as well, radio.com. It's just super cool, and I think it's going to it's gonna do a, a great job at helping to sort of hook your students into a, a bunch of different types of lessons that you could be teaching. All right, so let's get into our next uh, category, which is the quadruple axle. I think that's right. I, I know that there's a 16- or 15-year-old girl ice skater that is absolutely amazing, I hope I got all that right. I know someone just hit a quadruple something or other, and I wish I knew everything about it, but I just don't. And that's just my ignorance because I don't know enough about ice skating. Uh, but quadruple axle category, mega tools that change the game. So I'll go over the first one here. It's called allsides.com. And if you go to allsides.com, what it's doing is uh, it's providing some type of topic, and then it's going to provide the pro side, the con side, and other resources that are kind of in the middle. So students can go there. They can figure something out for themselves. They can get the pro, the con, all the information that they need to make their own argument or make their own justification to whatever topic that's going on. So I really like this one. I like that you can go there, find the topics that you want, uh, and they're very, very centered around eliminating media bias. They're, they're strong on providing different perspectives, and they give the students enough information that really takes all the guesswork out of it. And this might be something that I would use at the beginning of a digital citizenship chapter, unit, whatever, just throw it out there to show them what what it means to be not biased. Or this one is a biased uh, article. This one's an, also a biased article on the other side. And this one brings both sides together and might be a little bit better. Yeah, that's a, it's a great tool and deserves to be in this category for sure. But, man, it's going to be hard to beat this next one. If we're talking about a, a mega tool that changes the game, the, there's a website called backpacks.com, B-A-K-P-A-X, backpacks.com. And this is one I've been waiting for for a long time. And it's it's I don't know how long Backpacks has been around, but for me at least, it's finally here. And I think it really is the definition of this category. Let me just walk everybody through the steps of how it works, because at first it's going to sound very similar to a lot of other sort of maybe learning management systems, but you're going to you're going to get in there. You're going to start adding assignments to backpacks. Uh, you can make your own. You can also choose from lots of pre-made assignments that they've got so far. Pretty standard, right? Second thing you're going to do is, you know, once your students are all logged in and assigned to a class, they are going to complete that work online from whatever device they have. That includes cell phones. So that's sort of, I always like that because that means they're not locked into doing it at a certain, you know, place or during a certain time. It's very flexible. Still nothing super groundbreaking. 
the the groundbreaking part comes now in step three, which is where you would typically have to go in and you know grade that work yourself, unless it's like a multiple choice thing that auto grades or you know maybe a, a short answer type of a text thing where you tell the system certain words to mark as correct. Backpacks can actually read student handwritten work in text submissions using its artificial intelligence technology and grade these assignments for you. For me, this is huge because I do a lot of handwriting stuff with my students. A lot, as a, you know, I teach chemistry and a lot of the work is, it needs to be done you know, writing by hand. We're drawing diagrams, we're making models, we're writing chemical equations, things you can type out but it's, it's clumsy and it's a pain. Even if you're good at it, it's, it's much faster to write by hand and the students prefer that, as do I. Well, now with Backpacks, there's a program that can actually, you know, not only accept those handwritten submissions via photo, but it can grade them also, which is, to me, it just sounds like a dream come true. And like I said, it's, it's something I've been waiting to see for a long time. And, and perhaps the you know, the artificial intelligence technology out there is catching up and incorporating in EdTech finally. And we're going to start to be able to, to use this. I don't know how well it works. Again, have not tested it because we just found out about this recently. But it's, if nothing else, the fact that it's out there and it's beginning to pop up in places like backpacks means it's soon going to be everywhere. And that's, to me, the definition of a game changer. So check it out, backpacks.com. I don't know if I like that one. Really? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, kid does some type of of work or assignment, and he's getting artificial intelligent feedback. Now, if it's something like multiple choice, yeah, fine. We use that all the time. But if it's something, if they're doing a personal reflection, and how, how can you have artificial intelligence give feedback on a personal reflection? I think that takes the personalized learning out of it. I don't know. Jerry's still out on that. The judges are still deciding. I don't think it's going to get a perfect score. But, you know, it, it's all all the stuff seems cool, but I think it depends for me on the purpose on how you use it. Well, that's that's a great point. And, you know, there are we should add to this that there are absolutely applications where you're not going to want to use the AI for things like that. Reflections and reading their writing. You need that human touch still. Um, so reserved for certain applications where it is just sort of right or wrong, but in a handwritten sense, at least it would be a time saver. It's a great point. All right, so I'll get into the third one. I really like this one, especially if you don't have an LMS that has a plan book in it. Uh, I really like plan board. It's a free online lesson planner and grade book. It's used by a lot of teachers. It's made by a company called Chalk. Uh, teachers can go up there and sign in and sign up for free. Uh, and what it does is it allows you to make this place where you can put all your digital lessons. And it doesn't matter what your schedule is. If it's a rotating drop like ours is, which is probably the most complex uh, schedule known to man, uh, it can still, you can still customize it to fit that need. All right. So, you can streamline your class book with a digital plan book, and that's really their tagline there. And it's super easy to edit. You could import YouTube videos, all your documents and stuff like that. You could share it out to students if you want. And it also allows you to track and monitor standards 
and how each lesson is connected to a standard. So to keep that data for you, uh, so you can connect them with the standards and understand maybe ones that you're over-focusing on or under-focusing on based on your lessons that you put in there. You could also share these lessons with your colleagues. Uh, and like I said, you could adjust to different rotations and days off. And I think that right there might be the game changer because it's so easy to customize and move around without having to copy and paste things into different blocks. Yeah, I could see that being helpful. I know the it's a lot more common these days for schools, at least high schools and middle schools, to have like a rotating type of a schedule or block schedule. And, and this could help with that a lot for sure, especially when these types of schedules are first being implemented. A lot of teachers have a hard time wrapping their heads around it and the, the ability to make a digital lesson plan that is so easily editable could be pretty helpful. And that's a, that's a good list. I don't know what we would give the gold here. I mean, I was going to say backpacks for sure, just because I was so excited about not having to grade 10,000 handwritten chemical equations. But your point stands strong. So I don't know if that's still the winner. Which one of these jumps out to you? I'm definitely going all sides. Yeah. Because... You know, I taught bioethics, and that's a big debate class, and I can see debates fit in every content area. They're so powerful, especially if you figure out a way to get students in small groups and have them engaged the whole time. And I'll just say something with this. If I was setting up a debate in my classroom, I would use all sides for them to go get their topics and allow them to branch out to get other research. Uh, I would have, if I have a class of 24, I would make four different debates, so four different pro-con groups. I would have two groups uh, go, two debates go at the same time, and I would just bounce back and forth as the teacher listening to them. And the two debates that haven't gone yet, they'll be the judges, one for each debate. And that kind of keeps the judging group to a small group of people. And it also keeps the debating groups to a small group of people, maybe you know, three pro, three con, and then six judges per debate. And that's how I would run it. I would think all sides comes across the finish line at the very end, just ahead of the other two. All right, I'm fine with that. So we're giving the gold to all sides. It makes sense. And let's move on to the next category. This is called uh, the Sean White category. Tools that have been around but still work great, which doesn't really apply because he's technically not still around, like I said at the beginning. The dude just retired last night. I always felt kind of connected to Sean White because he's the exact same age as me. So I've enjoyed watching him snowboard for a long time. And I was like legit a little depressed last night seeing him make his last run. He was talking about being 35 and still trying to keep up with young kids. And it just kind of made me feel old. So I was a little bit bummed out. But it does make me feel good to <laughs> to feature him in in this uh, in this category, and and I'll let I'll let you kick it off. Yeah, I'm not laughing because you're old because I'm older. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm picturing you going down a half pipe, <laughs> and I can't yeah. I can't picture that. Well, no, it's worth laughing at. <laughs> All right, so here's here's a tool that a lot of people know about. A lot of people, I mean, there's a big craze around this tool just because it's so powerful, but we have not really talked about it on the podcast in over two years. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Flipgrid. All right. 
I did a little exercise last night in the in the spirit of the Olympics. I was with a I was talking to a couple other educators, and what we did is we wrote down how many different usage cases that we could think of of using Flipgrid in 30 seconds. All right, and we all did pretty well. I'm just going to go down and say some of the ways that you could use it. And I could have kept going. It's like Boggle. I love that game, Boggle, where you shake up the little uh, lettered dice, and then you have to connect and make words. That's what I felt like here because I'm just going through all of them. All right, so the first one is uh, icebreakers. You could use Flipgrid to do icebreakers at the beginning of class. Uh, the second one is uh, a morning show. You can use it to run morning shows. So schools that don't have the big green screen productions or a morning class, you can usually do that, post it somewhere. You can download the videos. So that's cool. Teacher tips for PD. I know when we go to a PD, we often have a Flipgrid um, or a grid for them to share their own tools after we give them. Uh, the next one is uh, for Flipgrid pair-ups. So think of pen pals. You could do it between schools, or you could do it with like a senior and a freshman. If they're pals, they can communicate back and forth maybe one time a week through that. They're not going to have any of the, I guess the, I don't know, it, they're not going to have the same classes for the most part. So being able to find a platform where they can kind of communicate back and forth, I think is cool. Uh, teachers giving directions on projects. This is huge. How often do teachers repeat directions? Most of the time it's because students are paying attention, but sometimes it's because they're not able to, they're focusing on something that you said in the directions or writing it down, they miss the next thing. So I think it would be cool if teachers gave directions through Flipgrid. We have reflections, exit tickets, making videos with multiple uh, contributors. Like, for example, we just made that retirement video, and we used Flipgrid to get every like teachers and students to contribute to the overall video. Once again, you can download those videos and throw them into Wee Video to edit or something like that, but Flipgrid makes it easy. You and I have used them for scavenger hunts. Uh, students can make uh, their proof of completing a task with uh, Flipgrid. Uh, mystery readers, so my son's kindergarten class, uh, they have a mystery reader every Friday. You know, one part of the school year, parents were able to go in and be a mystery reader. The next time, uh, because of COVID, they had to do it remotely. So you could pre-tape them on Flipgrid. Uh, explain a math problem. We could always find ways to use math, uh, get ed tech to enhance math. It's just whether or not we want to do that. Uh, sometimes it's... Uh, something that a teacher really enjoys. Sometimes they're very hesitant because they think it takes too much time. This one could be done independently for homework. The students get 10 problems, but they have to pick one that they explain via Flipgrid. So the teachers can bring them up the next day or other students can look at them if they struggled with the problem. Places I've never been project, I always like examining other cultures, other places. So. If you have a green screen, a portable green screen, uh, students can stand in front of a place that they've never been before and tell about it. 
uh, workouts. So in wellness class or gym class, you can have students uh, demonstrate different types of workouts. We have music lessons. I know a lot of teachers use this for remote lessons where uh, students uh, practiced independently on a Flipgrid, would send it to the teacher, the teacher would comment on it and respond. Uh, foreign language practice, uh, improv down the line. So I, I saw something like this uh, done in real life and I thought this could easily be, easily be replicated with Flipgrid. Uh, so if you do, every person's a different character and they have to have a kind of like a conversation. Uh, and then at the end, everyone has to guess which uh, favorite character they are. So I'm thinking if every student was a war general or a politician or a famous scientist and they have to kind of make up a little dialogue of quotes, famous quotes that they said or places that they were, or some significant events, they could play who is this or try to guess who it is based on descriptions of a Flipgrid video. Uh, I'm big into murder mysteries right now. I'm writing one with another colleague, but I think uh, murder mysteries, if you get a whole bunch of different uh, teachers to have a script, and record a video, you could easily bring that together to make a uh, murder mystery. They could click on the person's name. That will play a little Flipgrid video and uh, give them some content or some details that they could work with and then have to write the ending of the story and also to do an art or photography contest. And I think part of that is for the creator of that particular art piece or photograph to say what inspired them. It's almost like a, uh, a blog, but I guess it would be a vlog since it's a video. But those were the ones that I came up with in 30 seconds. And I know that there's a lot more uh, usage cases of Flipgrid out there. And I'm hoping that some people that listen to the show uh, decide that they want to shout some of those ideas out of out at us so we can just get a big long list of ways that we could use it and maybe tie in some templates or best practices, examples, things like that all together for educators to see and share. Yeah, that's why Flipgrid is, is what it is and it's why we usually don't talk about it because it's so ubiquitous and everybody uses it and there's so many ways to use it, but it definitely deserves to be mentioned and, and definitely here. I wanted uh, like two things I wanted to comment on. One of them was the teacher directions and Flipgrid. What a smart way to use Flipgrid. I'm, this is such a big problem for me that I, I completely stopped repeating directions in class because I got so sick of it. And all of my directions after I go over it, I also have those recorded and, and linked to whatever the assignment is so students can click on it. So if, if you know, a student asks, for me to repeat the directions and I know that they just weren't listening or for students who were absent and there's a ton of other reasons for this, I can just say, click on the link, you can listen to me walk through the directions so I don't have to repeat it 10,000 times. It's a big time saver and, and the kids come to depend on it too. And I'm fine with that. I don't care how they get access to the directions as long as they've got them and Flipgrid would be a really easy way to do it. So I love that idea. I also wanted to point out for the explain a math problem option, don't forget that Flipgrid has a little whiteboard tool built in. So it's not just their face talking. They can switch over 
to this whiteboard tool. They can write with their finger using probably their phone, if that's what they're recording on, and, and write and describe it as they go. So tons of great uses there. I'll get into the one I was going to talk about. It'll be way faster uh, just because it's a little bit simpler the way I approach this. But I'm talking Wakelet, uh, another one that is a giant tool. It's been around for a while now, and it still works really, really awesome. Uh, Wakelet, if you don't know, is sort of like a, a place to digitally collect different resources on a board, essentially. Um, very similar to how you can make a Pinterest board. You can make a Wakelet board and you can add resources to it or a class can add resources to it. I'm bringing it up because they recently, I think it was this fall, started integrating uh, Giphy, uh, Giphy clips. So you can pull in GIFs now via Giphy into a Wakelet board, which is super fun. Um, if you didn't know about Giphy, this is sort of like two tools in one here. Giphy is like this, I don't know if it's the biggest, but it's definitely one of the biggest and one of the most popular online databases that houses GIFs. You, you can make them. A lot of the apps that you can use on your phone to create GIFs will automatically push to Giphy. Giphy has its own app that will do that too. And now you can search those you know, directly from Wakelet. Uh, so the way you do it is when you're on a in creating a Wakelet post, if you go to the add image icon that's typically there, uh, Giphy is just going to be one of those options. So you can e easily search that library and add that in there. Uh, this is you know, great for a lot of reasons. One, it's just kind of cool and fun that you can do it because everybody loves GIFs and it would make, you know, sort of adds an element of, of interest and makes those, those Wakelet collections sort of come alive a little bit more. So, you know, immediately I just thought of if you're using a Wakelet collection to say, tell a story where maybe students are adding gifts can be a part of that storytelling. If you do a Wakelet newsletter, now that newsletter is twice as engaging because there's that element of the moving GIF images sort of flying around in there, which would look super great. And maybe just presenting content too. If you have a resource collection of things that you're using to teach from, uh, the GIF can now be a part of that. And I use GIFs all the time embedded in like a slide or, or PowerPoint. And now you can do that with Wakelet as well. So that one, that one I think deserves to be placed strongly in our Sean White category. Yeah, I think one thing that you left out is that Flipgrid is integrated in that too. In Flipgrid Shorts, you can add a Flipgrid to your Wakelet collection as well. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. And I was I meant to say sort of alongside that. And one of the coolest things about Wakelet is that they they integrate with everybody they possibly can, uh, so that when you are posting things and making a collection, the options are endless almost. And and now you know Flipgrid's been there for a couple of years, and and now GIFs is just another part of it. So it's I love that about Wakelet. It's really awesome. The uh, the next one we've got is uh, a Google Lens, another thing that's been around a while. If you don't know Google Lens, it is a, you know, when you're doing a Google search, you can use your phone's camera. So rather than type in a word that you're trying to search, like if you want to learn about, I don't know, cats, instead of typing in what is a cat, you can open up Google Lens in that Google search and find a cat and scan a picture of it. And Google knows that it's a cat and it searches that for you automatically. And this is, this is just really cool and it, it works oddly well. 
but now there's a bunch of new stuff that you can do with Google Lens, which is why why it made it onto this list. Um, do you want to run down some of these, or do you want me to run down them? Right, you you can run them. That's All fine. right, yeah. So these are super cool. One of the ones is when you scan something like uh, I don't know a, a ticket, a concert ticket. Let's say it's going to scan the text that is on the ticket, and it can read it and it can translate it in real time. This can help you, you know, if you're switching things to different languages. It can automatically look up words in that text if there's a, a date on there and a time. It's going to add it to your calendar for you. If there's a phone number on there, it's going to ask you to add that phone number to your contacts, all kinds of other stuff, which is a really neat application. Um, another thing is find finding, you know, if you're into certain types of, I don't know, if you've got like a, say, a blue pair of shoes, if you scan the blue pair of shoes, it's going to go to like a, a shopping aspect of Google and suggest other things similar to that blue pair of shoes. That's pretty cool. Um, copy and pasting text to your computer. So <clears throat> you can copy printed or handwritten text with Lens and then send it to any other signed in Chrome browser, like a Google Doc that you've got open perhaps. So this is a really quick way to take text on a piece of paper and scan it using Google Lens and sending it to that Google Doc. Um, you know, I have a, another one is that I've got a special app that I use if I'm out hiking or just walking around and you can scan like a flower or a leaf or an insect and it tells you what it is. I forget the name of it. I think it's iNaturalist. Um, but Google Lens does that now too. It's, it's got a built-in plant and animal scanner so it can identify things for you. This is really great and that's maybe the first one that is at least easy to come up with ideas for the classroom. So that's pretty awesome. This one, I'm not even sure if I want my students to know about this, but homework help. You can actually scan questions and it gives the example on their website of like an algebra problem x squared minus 3x plus 2 you scan that and google's gonna open up a formula solver and give you the answer uh so you just you know this is wow. obviously awesome for checking your work over right and you can tell your students about it if you tell them how to use it properly which is to check your work and see if you're doing it correctly. And I have a feeling the list goes on. Those are just the most recent updates that we found. But man, Google Lens, that's that's a big one for sure. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm excited about being able to take a picture or use Google Lens to uplift text into a Google Doc. That sounds amazing. Uh, the problem one doesn't bother me. The homework help doesn't bother me because if you can find... My, my thing is, is if you could find a problem and answer on the internet, it's not a good problem. I mean, find ways to make things situational and make it more application-based. So they might find something like it, but make it a better problem. <laughs> That's all. I mean, if they can find the answer verbatim, it's not a good problem. It's not a good question. So that's going to wrap up that category. Nick, I, I'm interested to see which one takes the gold out of this category for you. Yeah, this is so hard because these are all gold medal tools. I, I really don't know. I, I guess I'll pick Google Lens just because I'm so excited about so many of those things and in the ease of it, we, we all have Google on our phones uh, and it's just all of those things are now available without really any training, work, downloading. You know, if you're not a Wakelet user, it's not complicated, but you do have to go there and sign up and kind of get the lay of the land. Same thing with Flipgrid. Uh, 
Google Lens, it's there already on everybody's phone. So I, I think I'll give it to Google Lens for that reason. What about you? Yeah, I mean, my gut tells me to say Flipgrid, but I'm right. not. I'm yeah. going to say, and before all the Flipgridders out there uh, give me a bunch of heat, I'm going to go Wakelet because I get the best of both worlds. I get both Wakelet, but I would probably be using those uh, Flipgrid shorts a lot. So I'm I'm going with Wakelet just because I get Flipgrid as a added bonus. Smart. Yeah. So, all right. So our next category is gold medal emotions. You know, when you watch the Olympics, people get emotional. All that hard work paid off, and they can call themselves the best in the world, which is pretty amazing. So out of Nick and I, 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 I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but I probably listen to about 15 times more podcasts than, than you. Um, and that's not saying anything against you. That's just saying how crazy I am. Uh, because I, I bet on average I listen to three to five a day. Uh, so when I'm when I'm doing mindless work, I have it. Yard work, I have it. When I'm doing the dishes at night, I put my earbuds in. Sometimes when I can't sleep, I'll just listen to a podcast. So it fits in various times throughout the day. So I'm going to give you three of them, and then I'm just going to let you pick the gold medal out of the three descriptions I give you. Sure. All right. So these are all podcasts. I wouldn't say that any of them are new, new. Uh, some of them are new to me. And uh, that's why they're there. But a lot of you probably know that I always write a blog post on podcasts at least once a year. I have for the last two or three years. And it's a pretty extensive list of podcasts and episodes that, you know, pull on the heartstrings a little bit or get me moving or motivated or something like that. And the three that I'm going to share today will definitely, I think two of them will be new to the list. I believe one has made it before. All right. So the first one's called Modern Classroom Project Podcast, the MCPP. All right. This is uh, host Zach Diamond. This one was recommended to me on Twitter by Don Dickerson, who you can follow her at New Don Ed Tech. Uh, so new, the word new. Don, D-A-W-N, EdTech, all one word. And uh, she actually uh, recommended one episode. I listened to it. That it, was, it was a phenomenal episode. But then I kept going because I really liked uh, what the guest brought to the show and how the, the host, how Zach, really brought everything together. And I think my favorite episode, even though I have about seven minutes left uh, of it, is episode 75, Tools for Self-Pacing. I think it brings a lot of wisdom to education and gives you a different type of insight. He has three guests on the show, but that's definitely one that you want to uh, take advantage of and listen to. Uh, the next one is called The Lazy Genius Podcast, and this is by host Kendra Adachi. I'm sure I didn't get that right, but Kendra... Uh, I actually found your podcast because I'm reading your book. It's actually behind me. Uh, it's called The Lazy Genius Way. And the main gist of that and the podcast is figuring out what's important to you, what's uh, taking up your time but maybe isn't as important, and ways to get rid of that stuff that's clogging up your time throughout the day. Uh, so that one's called The Lazy Genius Podcast. Go check out the book. The book's amazing. 
I'm about halfway done with that book. Uh, you can follow the Lazy Genius host, Kendra Adachi, at Lazy Kendra. Love the, love the name, uh, Lazy Kendra, the handle there, uh, because I don't think she's, I think she's just smart. Some people may say it's lazy. I think she's just smart. And the last one I'm putting on here because I think sometimes the shorter podcasts uh, may go undervalued. I think these 10-minute podcasts, five-minute podcasts, I think they're absolutely amazing because it's just enough to get you excited and get you to go out and try stuff. Sometimes the longer podcasts uh, that talk about one thing, it's like a watching a movie trailer that you saw the whole movie there. You don't want to go try it or something. Uh, Vicki Davis, and I mentioned her before. She's she's amazing. Her podcast is the 10-Minute Teacher Podcast. Uh, you can follow Vicki at cool, Te- cool Cat Teacher on Twitter. Uh, she recently uh, published her probably 770th episode. But the one I want to talk about is episode 768. Um, it, it was called Rebound, How Do Schools Bounce Back After the Pandemic? Got me fired up because I think about this all the time. I actually think we have a silver lining of the pandemic where teachers pushed out these project-based learning, the collaborative opportunities and things like that. And we didn't worry about teaching to a test or for a test. And I think now that we're going back into the classrooms, I see more and more of us going back to old traditional teaching where you we get a lot more le- lectures and worksheets. I'm not saying there's no place in education for that, but it, this episode got me reflecting on this and it fires me up because I think students love to learn in groups, bouncing things off. It's a safer space for them. So I'm a strong believer in teaching how our students will learn the most uh, efficiently and effectively. So this this episode got me fired up. So modern classroom Project Podcast, The Lazy Genius, and 10-Minute Teacher Podcast. Out of those three descriptions that I gave you, and I know they're very brief, gold medal goes to. Gold medal goes to uh, barely edging out the others, the 10-Minute Teacher Podcast. I like the 10-Minute aspect. You know, there's there's a place for each type of show. I have a pretty long commute. I drive like 45, 50 minutes between work and home. So I actually do like a longer podcast because I really want to get into it and fill up that time. However, that's not the norm. And if I had a shorter commute, this is when most people listen to podcasts. That's why I'm going there. I would want it to be a quick little blast of information. And I think the 10 minute teacher podcast does it really awesome. It, it did barely edge out the lazy genius just cause I'm a huge fan of that as well. And right now I'm really trying to be better about productivity and working smart and not necessarily hard. And that's what it's all about but I think we have to give it to the 10 minute teacher podcast. So that's my pick. Are you okay with that one? I'm, I'm good with that one. Yeah. All right. So let's do the, our last category. Let's do it the same way. This is called the dedication category. These are websites that are dedicated to providing great resources. I'm going to run through all three quickly. And how about here? You can pick the gold winner out of these three. Sound good. That sounds great. All right, so the first one is called Smithsonian Learning Lab. And if we're trying to talk about dedication to providing resources, I I don't know if there is anything better than the Smithsonian. And now they've sort of brought a lot of this stuff online. So if if you go to their website, you can search any topic. And if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see it's called Discover. So I typed in, of course, 
chemistry just to see what sort of stuff is available. And when you do that, it tells you how many resources are available for chemistry that brings up 7,260 resources. Some of these, and, and the cool part is that they're all kinds of things. So what counts as a resource can be an image. Like some of them are just pictures of like chemical glassware. Some of them are articles, you know, Smithsonian based articles. Some of them are videos that are part of this Smithsonian online uh, collection. And those are just straight up resources that you can scroll through and click on. Um, they also have, when you do a search like this, what they call learning lab collections. And for chemistry, there's 15 of them. So this is maybe a more condensed place to start. But these are pre-set collections of resources within a certain theme. So one of the collections is called Conservation of Mass. It is a collection of 13 resources of the original 7,260. Uh, so, you know, there's images, articles, videos, worksheets, all centered around conservation of mass or, or whatever the idea is that you have found using this digital collection. And that's what I really like about it because as a teacher, I could see using these as as that as a, as a spot for students to get different types of resources around a certain topic. So check out Smithsonian Learning Lab. The next one I have is called Symbaloo. Symbaloo is fairly well known. You may have heard of it. Uh, technically Symbaloo EDU. And it's, it's sort of similar to Wakelet. It's a visual resource management tool. That's how they describe themselves. It's going to help the teacher as well as the students kind of share and, and put together their favorite things online. You can think about it like bookmarks. Uh, bookmarks are huge right now because a lot of us are working or doing so much of our work in an internet browser. And I, I know my bookmarks are critical to my day. Well, Symbaloo kind of collects them as these little tiles that are more visual, easier to see what that bookmark is. And you can organize them, color code them, share them. And it's, you know, that type of thing is great for a classroom for any number of reasons, just go back and re-listen to the Wakelet portion of this episode to get some, because it's, it's sort of in the same realm. But Symbaloo is an awesome one as far as resources go. And then the last one here is a new one to me, or it was new, it's called Skew the Script. And Skew the Script offers, they call it free curriculum, but I don't really like that description. Uh, it's it's math, it's, it's pre-made math lessons but their whole spin on it is making math relevant, which I think is totally lost in, at least it was for me when I was in school, perhaps it's changed now, but instead of just giving an algebraic problem where you have to solve for X, asking that question in, you know, with some sort of, some sort of a basis in real life for why you might have to be solving for that X value, because a lot of math really does matter. It really is used. Uh, you know, to do things that real people need to do. So, you know, they give some relationships of like tying in concepts of police using uh, force during arrests and how that connects via real data to racial diversity. Um, you know, solving for Kobe Bryant's probability of scoring at least 81 points in a given game. Um, the most effective way for a doctor to prevent strokes as like a, a medical aspect of this. So, and th that's what, that's really what skew the script does is they're going to bring in all of these real life applications for you, link it to the math problem that's being solved and it's all collected there for you. So s check out skew the script.org. 
So those are my three picks, man. Smithsonian Learning Lab, Symbaloo, and Skew the Script. What do you think deserves the gold here? So I'm not going to short the Smithsonian Learning Lab because it is awesome. If you go there, check that out. Uh, they have a lot of different stuff. Uh, and Symbaloo, oddly enough, I remember Symbaloo at the one conference that we went to in Philly. Yep. Uh, they threw their booth threw me a T-shirt, which I was pumped about because I really like the icon of Symbaloo. <laughs> and they threw me a T-shirt. I opened it up, and it was a, like a small or medium. And I think I threw it to you. Yep. I don't even know if that would fit you. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. But you know, their tool is is awesome. It does something extremely well. But I'm all about narrative and education, finding real world meaning. So I'm going to have to go skew the script. I think the narrative behind each one of those problems is what's going to really resonate with uh, students and really tie them into the lesson. And I think in general, we students have a bad uh, taste in their mouth about math as a whole. Like we, we have people that love math. We have people that hate math. And I really think something like this will, will help those students that don't have any type of connection to math be connected with math. So I'm going to go with skew the script. All right. Strong choice. I would have picked the same one. I think that stuff is great. And making math seem important is it takes a lot of work for those math teachers to do. And this does a lot of it for them. So it's a strong choice. And that wraps up the EdTech-themed Olympics that we put together for this, this episode. This was a fun one to do. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. If you liked this episode, if you like Got Tech, do us some favors. Head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe there. Spotify, you can do the same. Google Podcasts, that'd be great. Stitcher, great. We're on YouTube. We post videos uh, whenever we have some extra time. We've got a lot of stuff there, so you can check us out on YouTube at We Got Teched. Twitter at Nick Got Teched, at Geis Got Teched, or the show at We Got Teched. We got a Facebook page, too. We don't do a whole lot with it, but it's there. And if you like it and follow it, then you can see at a minimum, uh, the days that new episodes are released. If you really like us, write a review. Uh, make sure it's an Apple podcast review if you're going to do it. That's the most helpful to us in the show. Uh, check us out at gottech.com. Tell your friends about us. Tell your friends about educational podcasts in general. And also check us out on the Teach Better website because, as you know, if you listen to episode 104, we are also part of the Teach Better Podcast Network, and if you're there, why not also check out some of the many, many other awesome educational podcasts that are available. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geis and I individually at Geis Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.